Tonight, navigating the mayhem from a holiday winter wallop with travelers stuck in limbo. Complications and chaos leave Canadians in the lurch. It just felt inhumane, like there was older people, younger people with kids. No water was given, nothing. The grind to get home. It was awful. This blizzard is the one for the ages. The U.S. death toll rising after a relentless winter storm. It was like looking at a white piece of construction paper. You couldn't see anything at all. Digging out and reeling from the so-called blizzard of the century. Plus, the lure of Boxing Day shopping. Is it wearing off? There's a fatigue for both shoppers and the retailers. CTV National News with Omar Sachedina. Reporting tonight, Joy Malbin. Good evening. Tonight, a winter travel nightmare for Canadians trying to get home. Passengers stranded from coast to coast after a series of snowstorms and frigid temperatures caused widespread delays and disruptions. Snarling air travel, roads closed, trains and buses struggling to operate, and thousands remain in the dark after storms knocked out power. CTV's Quebec Bureau Chief Jean-Vierre Beauchemin leads us off. This folding table and landlines at Montreal's airport? Well, that's a makeshift Air Canada customer service desk for storm-stranded travellers. For passengers like the Maturana family from Argentina in a holding pattern here for more than a day. Our flight was cancelled. Uh, we were going to New York and it was like my dream place. Uh, yes, so we are a little bit sad. Overnight, the lineup for one of those phones to speak to an agent stretched across much of the departures level. It was this lineup last night of 300 people, and that took an hour and a half to sit down where it's just 10 phone calls with customer service. Nothing. No vouchers, no communication, nothing. And travelers say airlines don't seem to grasp what a cancelled trip means. My family will never fly WestJet again. They don't understand what we lost. I know we lost a trip, but we lost more than a trip. We lost those chances of that, those memories as a group of 12. At Toronto's Pearson Airport, 97% of originally scheduled flights are now taking off and landing, but some without checked baggage on board. Mounds of luggage have piled up on the terminal floor with broken equipment adding to weather woes. With that significant drop in temperature, it did freeze elements of our baggage system, which stopped the belts from moving. Vancouver has set up an extended comfort and care area, a much-needed spot on a layover for Carol Joy Green after a long trip from Toronto. We sat on the plane that was already delayed for six hours because they didn't have anyone to load luggage on. And what's more, she's not sure just when she'll make it home to Prince George. In Mexico, Sunwing passengers are still demanding to get back to Canada after cancelled flights last week. Some complain they've been sleeping in hotel lobbies for days and getting no help at the airport. It was terrifying. It just felt inhumane. Like there was older people, younger people with kids. No water was given, nothing. It was awful. Train service, too, isn't back on track after the storm. Via Rail cancelled service on parts of the Toronto to Montreal corridor again today, but says much of the service should be up and running tomorrow. The storm has frozen homes and businesses, too spray-coated parts of Crystal Beach, Ontario, in thick ice, with the region under a state of emergency. 
Power is still out for thousands of others in several parts of Canada, still in the dark and cold. In Quebec, 1,200 crews are still working night and day to restore power, but the wait is frustrating to many. I'm really upset. Nobody cares. I feel there's not enough uh, manpower. Hydro-Quebec concedes there could still be customers without power on New Year's Eve. And airlines don't know just how long they'll be in recovery mode. Joy. CTV Jean-Vierre Beauchemin in Montreal tonight. Meantime, officials in B.C.'s interior say all of the injured still in hospital from that deadly Christmas Eve bus crash are expected to survive. Four people were killed and 50 others hurt too seriously when the passenger bus rolled over on an icy highway east of Merritt. South of the border, Buffalo is dealing with one of the worst blizzards in its history. People trapped in cars, hundreds of rescues, and tragically, at least 57 people have died across the United States. It's a result of this ferocious winter weather. With more on what New York officials are calling the blizzard of the century, here's CTV's Vanessa Lee in Washington. In a city that has weathered its share of massive snowstorms, this one is being described as once in a generation. We have been through a lot of wars together, and this blizzard is the one for the ages. Certainly it is the blizzard of the century. Hurricane force winds combined with more than four feet of snow brought Buffalo to a standstill. Roads are impassable. Abandoned vehicles are scattered everywhere. Even first responders could not get to those in need. It's gut-wrenching to have a situation where you're unable, unable to um, respond to emergency calls, medical calls. Across western New York, at least 29 people have died, found in their cars, homes and in snowbanks. Unfortunately, they are still recovering bodies. Uh, some are natural deaths, uh, but some are also due to exposure. This family of six says they are lucky to be alive. They got stranded in their car while trying to find a hotel after their home lost power. Firefighters rescued them in the height of the storm. It was like looking at a white piece of construction paper. You couldn't see anything at all. A driving ban is still in place, with authorities warning of dangerous conditions. Conditions are also difficult inside of homes, where some have been without power in frigid temperatures for more than two days. An Arctic blast that has gripped much of the U.S. has derailed holiday plans from coast to coast. Close to 4,000 flights were cancelled today alone. There's no option to rebook anything online. Oh, I've also been on hold for five hours and 43 minutes. The National Guard is helping with rescue efforts in New York, where some communities are expecting another 30 centimeters of snow. Joy. Thanks, Vanessa. The bitter cold is what greeted busloads of migrants in Washington, D.C. on Christmas Eve. About 130 people, families, including babies and children, showed up outside Vice President Kamala Harris's home in T-shirts and thin blankets on one of the coldest days of the year. The White House slammed Texas Governor Greg Abbott, who sent the buses there, calling it a cruel, dangerous and shameful stunt. It's not just the cold migrants also face legal uncertainty over a Trump pandemic policy used to expel asylum seekers, legislation that's about to expire. 
And Russia's invasion has made the future uncertain for Ukrainians, even in their own homes. Tonight, nearly 9 million people have no electricity because of the constant strikes on Ukraine's power grid. Ten months into this war grinding on, now Kyiv is proposing a peace summit, but with a warning for the Kremlin. CTV's Danielle Hamamjan explains. Deep inside Russia, a Ukrainian drone is shot down at 1.30 in the morning. According to Moscow, falling debris killed three military personnel near Angles Airfield, from where attacks against Ukraine have been launched since the war began. It's the second time in a month the base, hundreds of kilometers from the Ukrainian border, has been targeted, raising questions about the country's air defense system. This is a pure military target that has been used against Ukraine, and the Russians seem to be accepting that this is just uh, how wars are prosecuted. So we should expect that Ukraine's going to continue to attack this base and other bases that attack it. And one of those places under constant Russian attack is the eastern city of Bakhmut. For months, Ukrainian forces have resisted Russian attempts to advance. Russia will not stop having conquered one country, he says. If it swallows us, it will go further. But there are now hopes the end of February could be as far as it goes, coinciding with the one-year anniversary of the war are plans for a peace summit. We think that the, best, the United Nations could be the best venue for holding this, uh, this summit. Because this is not about making a favor to a certain country. This is really about bringing everyone on board. To another summit held today, this one in St. Petersburg, the man orchestrating the war hosted leaders of states that were once part of the Soviet Union. Russian President Vladimir Putin today admitted there are disagreements between them. Ukraine's ability to push back on Russia has given those uh, states the ability and voice to push back on Russia and then maybe not be quite as much a puppet as Putin would want. Asked if Ukraine would invite Russia to this peace summit, the Ukrainian foreign minister said that Moscow would first need to face prosecution for war crimes at an international court. Joy. Thanks, Danielle. Tensions are escalating on the Korean Peninsula. Today, South Korea deployed fighter jets and attack helicopters to shoot down North Korean drones that entered its airspace for the first time in five years. One of the five drones was detected flying near the South Korean capital. Its military responded, firing around 100 warning shots and sending their own surveillance planes into North Korean territory to photograph key military facilities. North Korea has aggressively stepped up its pace of missile tests this year, despite international sanctions. China's dropping COVID-19 rules for foreign travelers. One of the biggest moves towards reopening the country after nearly three years of the pandemic. Starting January 8th, passengers arriving at China's airports no longer have to quarantine. But they'll still need to mask up on planes and show a negative PCR test on landing. The rules right now include mandatory quarantine, five days at a hotel, followed by three days at home, China's abrupt reversal of its strict zero-COVID policy has led to a surge in infections nationwide. Coming up... It just seems like a normal day. Yeah, I think most people do online shopping now. Boxing Day shopping becoming a harder sell. Plus, another holiday staple, the World Juniors, begins in the Maritimes.
Well, Boxing Day is back, and so are the brands rolling out flashy deals to entice budget-conscious shoppers into the stores. Many braved the crowds at malls across the country, while others chose online sales. Retail analysts say the pandemic has forever changed what has traditionally been one of the biggest shopping days of the year. CTV's Shannon Patterson reports from B.C. After weeks of shopping for friends and loved ones in the lead-up to Christmas... Once we hit Boxing Day and Boxing Week, we're right back to, hey, what do I want? Gift cards and gift certificates play a role in that. Plus, historically, there's always the sport of... It's a tradition. I go every year. It's her tradition that I'm joining. Tell me what you were looking for. Um, Good deals. Yeah, basically. At Surrey's Guildford Mall, dedicated bargain hunters were rewarded. This is a $300 jacket I got for $120. And they didn't have to battle big Boxing Day crowds. It's not too busy today, actually. We were expecting some lineups. There's no traffic and nothing. We got here really early, too. It just seems like a normal day. Yeah, I think most people do online shopping now. The pandemic may have forever changed how we shop. Retailers were forced to pivot to online sales and customers followed. Now many believe there's simply no need to come to the mall on Boxing Day to get the best deals. I definitely think there's a fatigue for both shoppers and and the retailers for the in-store lineups and crunch and big crowds. Electronics have traditionally been the biggest Boxing Day draw, and Best Buy in downtown Vancouver was busy by midday. I think customers have been itching uh, to really get back in the store like this, uh, and vice versa. I think we've been itching to have this sort of traffic and volume in the stores as well. Analysts expect in-person Boxing Day sales will easily surpass the previous two years that were impacted by COVID-19 concerns and restrictions. But in terms of the number of products getting moved in store, it's going to be light compared to what it has been in big boxing days of the past. With sales moving online, we may never again see pre-pandemic level boxing day crowds. But for dedicated in-person shoppers... It's part of the fun, though, is getting up and out. I think it's the experience, yeah. Yeah. Shannon Patterson, CTV News, Surrey. Another Boxing Day tradition got underway today. The puck dropped on the World Junior Hockey Championships in Halifax and Moncton. Lingering over the major event, Hockey Canada's handling of sexual assault allegations dating back to 2018. Canada jumped out to an early 1-0 lead, but it was all Czechia after that. They cruised to a 5-2 win. Canada's next game is against Germany on Wednesday. Still ahead, tens of thousands flee deadly floods and... This should be a global concern because climate change is not the responsibility of one country. A look back at a year of unprecedented weather events. More cities in the Philippines are declaring a state of emergency after yesterday's heavy flooding that killed at least eight people. Rescue workers waited in chest-deep waters, holding on to a rope to carry children and infants from flooded homes. Tens of thousands have been forced to higher ground. From flooding to raging heat waves and crippling ice storms, extreme weather is becoming more severe and is happening more often. In 2022, countries across the globe were hit hard with deadly natural disasters that claimed lives and caused extensive damage. The climate carnage is number six in our top 10 stories of the year. With more, here's CTV's Atlantic Bureau Chief, Creason Ajkate. 
2022 was another reminder of the planet in dire distress, as climate change continues to devastate so many lives. Somalia suffered the worst drought in 40 years. Livestock are dying, and now more than 4.3 million are in need of food and safe drinking water. This should be a global concern, because climate change is not the responsibility of one country. Hundreds of wildlife in Kenya have also died from the heat, including this elephant that was shot after it killed a woman while desperately looking for water. In South Africa, flash flooding killed more than 400 people and left tens of thousands more homeless. And in Pakistan, flooding there has created an economic crisis, killing hundreds and causing 32 billion in damages. Millions of people are going into winter without the shelter. Dangerous heat waves caused a national emergency in Britain, closing airport and train services. This weather is absolutely unprecedented. Uh, we have never seen anything like these temperatures in our models before. Spain and Portugal set a new July record of 47 degrees, which sparked out-of-control wildfires. This man nearly lost his life while trying to protect his town. High winds were also the issue in Atlantic Canada. The devastation looks to be beyond anything that we have witnessed before. Hurricane Fiona threw homes into the ocean, snapped thousands of trees, and knocked out power for weeks. I saw four or five buildings float past while we were here trying to deal with this. It's heartbreak. It's devastation. So far, Fiona has caused $660 million in damage, making it the most costly extreme weather event ever recorded in the region. The reality is, uh, with climate change, there are going to be more extreme weather events uh, with a greater intensity. In Puerto Rico, that same storm caused $2 billion in damages and left millions without power. I'm determined to help Puerto Rico build faster than in the past and stronger and better prepared for the future. In the spring, Ontario saw winds reach up to 195 kilometers, killing 11 people. It was later confirmed an EF2 tornado caused the damage. This massive tree came crashing down where this woman's daughter was sitting. I've never thought I was going to go through this in my life. Never, never. Manitoba saw the third highest snowfall since 1872, leaving rivers to overflow with homes looking like islands on the prairies. 45 municipalities and nine First Nations all declared a state of emergency. It's just too much rain. It's too much moisture. We don't need it. In the U.S., a 23-year drought dried up more farmlands. Oh, no. Wow. And brought more wildfires to people's doorsteps, like here in Arizona. This was taken at 12.25 p.m. You can see 12.28. That's three minutes later. It happened so fast. To see, like, everything burned is just... Very traumatic. At COP15 in Montreal, countries agreed to protect 30% of land and water by 2030. We would have accomplished everything that is in this agreement. It will be a very different planet, and, and it's going to be a major change. But leaders struggled on what protection looks like and who will pay for it. Drastic change is needed quickly, as experts are predicting another dry year. That worries me because, you know, that often gives you a sense of what the forest fire season's going to be like, what growing's going to be like. Chris Anachkate, CTV News, Halifax. 
And after the break, the bare facts on one of our most visual stories of the year. leave you tonight, we want to take a look back at another memorable story of the year. And what could be more memorable than spotting a black bear? As we hear from CTV's Alberta Bureau Chief, Bill Fortier. Over the spring and summer, Western Canada's mountain communities had a big problem on their hands, the presence of bears. So we partnered with Parks Canada and got an incredible look at the wild animals and saw firsthand what officers were dealing with on a daily basis. It was one of our favorite stories of the year, and we think it's worth a second look. On patrol with Parks Canada in Jasper National Park, it doesn't take long to hear this. Medium black bears about 50 meters south of the Parkway gate. Calls for bears near people are way up. The busiest James McCormick can remember in about 17 years on the job. It's been a crazy busy year for us, yet yeah, we're up. 60% we suspect over the number of calls we've experienced this spring. It's an issue throughout the Rockies. This month a Canmore school was locked down when a grizzly wandered by. And this past weekend Vancouver police shot and killed a black bear in a residential area. I can respond to that one at Parkway. On this shift calls for what's known as a bear jam. People stopping on the highway to see this. Pull over more off the road for me please. The advice is stay in the vehicle unless you can be at least 100 meters away. Thanks for staying in your cars. We appreciate that. They say stay in the car, we stay in the car. The bigger concern is when bears show up here in town or close by. And that too is something happening a lot more this year according to Parks Canada. 10 I'll head that way right now. This call is for a grizzly sighting just outside the community. We're obviously a little bit too close to town to have bears. She's just kind of right between this. Okay, yeah. A team moves in slowly. Hey, mama. Hey, bear. Gently encouraging the grizzlies to move away. Hey, they're on the road. Help. The bears cross the highway and move down into a ravine where they'll be safer and won't be a threat to humans. And so we try to manage that and try to keep that balance, which can be challenging at times. The big issue this year is the late arrival of warm weather. There's a lot of snow up high, so bears are staying down in the valleys. We think they're more concentrated in this area because they can't, they've got no other places to go to eat. A busy spring, and these crews expect an even busier summer. We're good. Good for now. Next call. But they'll continue keeping us safe from the animals and animals safe from us. Bill Fortier, CTV News, Jasper, Alberta. Well, that's it for us tonight. For Omar Sachedina and all of us at CTV National News, thank you for watching. Have a great night. And we'll see you again tomorrow.